This Bites, discussing Milwaukee's culinary and restaurant culture. With Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine and Tariq Moody of 88.9. This Bites is brought to you by Society Insurance. Welcome to This Bites, Milwaukee's culinary podcast with the goddess of food writing and critique, Milwaukee Magazine's Ann Christensen and me. DJ Tariq, a.k.a. The Architect. On this week's edition of This Bites, we're going to talk about the uh, new issue of Milwaukee Magazine, the cover issue, the grilling issue, just in time for 4th of July in the summer season. So we've got a lot to talk about, including like gas versus charcoal, where to get the best food for your grill, and that really popular grill that I can't afford, the Green Egg. Then we're also going to talk about a new restaurant at Crossroad Collective, Bartolotta's new reopening the diplomat is back and masks but let's start it off Anne, how are you doing i'm doing okay i um i'm not wearing a mask right now but i wear a mask whenever i go out just just letting you know that treat because um i think it's important yes it is very important and we get to we'll get to that later why it is important but uh, let's kick it off you the new issue of milwaukee magazine uh, uh, the cover is about grilling, which is perfect for Fourth of July and summer. But we want to talk about that. You broke it up in different uh, different topics, but I want to focus on one that I, I get in debates with. I know a great sitcom, King of the Hill, gets in debates with. It's gas versus charcoal. Yeah. So what's what do you mean? What what did you do for that in the in the issue? I've got a guy who's just like a char a charcoal grilling. He just loves it. I mean, that's the only way he grills. And then I found someone who is all about gas. I mean, that's just, that's the way he likes to grill. He likes the control. And both of them talk about um, what's great about it. Well, you know, I have my personal opinion, which is better, (laughs) but it begins with a C. It does. Yeah. I had a feeling. Let's talk about charcoal. So what kind of conversation like did you have and who was it again? So first of all, um, I talked with Paul Zirkel, who is one of the owners and the chef at Good Kind. Um, And if you've been to Good Kind, you know that um, they cook a lot of things on a rotisserie. And Mm -hmm. um, when I talked to Paul, he said that um, he didn't even get into grilling, home grilling, until he was uh, in the process of, or when they were in the process of opening Good Kind, and he was looking into, he was looking for cookbooks on rotisserie cooking, because at that point he bought a rotisserie, wants to know everything there is to know about it, how best to use it. And he kept running across, well, he couldn't find rotisserie cookbooks, but what he found were charcoal cookbooks, right? He loves this book by Adam Perry Lang called Charred and Scruffed. That was one of the first books that he picked up on charcoal grilling. He told me he learned a lot from that book. What he did is he went out, bought the biggest charcoal Weber kettle grill that he could get um, and just started cooking on it. And the more you cook on it, the more you experiment, the more you realize you start to learn about indirect and direct heat and how that works. And plus he's a chef, right? So, um, So the guy just knows what he's doing. Um, but it was interesting to hear him talk about, you know, different things that he and his wife, Lisa, who's also a chef at Good Kind, what they like to cook on their grill and, you know, kind of what, you know, sort of, I guess, what to look for in a, in a charcoal grill. Because 
Tariq, okay, so the classic style of that round kettle style, right? That's what you and I probably know as the most classic, right? Yes. I mm-hmm. mean, I grew up with that kind. To be honest, I think it has a really, there's a really smart reason for it. The, the shape of it allows the heat, it allows it to conduct heat really well. It heats up really, really well. Now, the reason Paul told me that he, he got the biggest one he could get was that um, it really allows him to set up those, those indirect and direct heat areas. Yeah. So he's able to cook a lot of things. He's able to space them out. But he, so he knows exactly where they're going to be and how hot each part of his grill is. Another thing that he told me, and I, I don't know if you grew up in a family that used just those charcoal briquettes. Um, he, you know, is like, don't go for the briquettes. Um, you want lump charcoal. Lump charcoal um, is, is going to burn hotter. It also doesn't have the additives that those briquettes have. And you don't use lighter fluid. You know, you don't want your food to taste like lighter fluid. And, you know, I was in a, you know, I grew up in a family where we always had that Kingsford charcoal, right? Yes. And then I remember my, you know, my dad or my brothers pouring that lighter fluid on there and you just would smell that stuff. Um, But, you know, I think that, you know, people are just, you learn a lot about grilling the more you do it. So it was really interesting for me to, to hear what Paul had to say about that. Cool. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation about this uh, latest cover issue of Milwaukee Magazine, everything about grilling on this Bites. We'll be right back. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. Now we're back. We'll continue our conversation about the the latest Milwaukee Magazine cover edition about grilling. Um, before we go into like the food, I, I want to like just touch base on the gas grill. I want to give it some fair time. Yeah. Even even though I don't think it does, uh-huh. just my opinion. Who's the expert for the gas grill side? Yeah, my gas grill expert is um, Ben Minkin, who's one of the owners of Fine Brothers. Uh, kitchen supply store, which is located on Martin Luther King Drive. And um, Ben is a really interesting guy. He, um, he's a great cook and he, um, he uses his grill year round. I mean, he does not put that thing into storage in the wintertime. He uses it two to three times a week for his family, he told me. Um, so, you know, he, he's been using like a and in fact, we list in the story exactly which grill these guys use so that if you want to buy that grill, you know what, what to look for. Um, and his, he gave me some interesting tips that I think um, are, are definitely worth uh, talking about here. So, you know, first of all, you should consider before you buy one, how big you want it to be, right? How much are you going to use it? Um, also, you know, with these gas grills, you could have up to five burners on here, right? So um, that can allow you to cook all different kinds of meats. You can cook side dishes. You can do sauces. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with these gas grills. Um, Some of them have lights and built-in thermometers. 
I mean, you get all the bells and whistles. Now, his doesn't have that. But um, Ben is really into, you know how people say, Tariq, oh, you know, grilled chicken, it's, it always is dry. I mean, I don't, you know, why? And I don't want to have grilled chicken, right? Because it's just going to be overcooked. Um, well, you know, ben, Ben's idea and the same thing with Paul Zirkel, who's our, our charcoal expert here, go for chicken thighs, chicken thighs, don't go for the breast. I mean, the breast meat is going to be more difficult to keep more. Yeah, it has the flavor. Yes. Um, but so they both offer tips on indirect cooking um, with indirect heat. And, you know, if you want to do burgers and brats and chicken kind of all at the same time, how you can work the indirect and direct angles so that everything is done at once. You know, it's just I, I, I learned a lot about grilling from both of these guys. It was, it was, it was really fun. Um, but you know, as far as which one is better, I mean, I know, as you mentioned, you have an opinion. I don't know that one is better. It's opinion, but it's, it's kind of a fact too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have strong feelings about it either way. I would be happy to eat food off a gas grill or off a charcoal grill. Like Gasco, doesn't it doesn't have that flavor, right? It just tastes like it's flame broiled. It doesn't have that smoky flavor like a charcoal grill. Am I am I wrong? Well, I mean, I think it all depends on what kind of grill you have. You know, I talked to Ben about this, and he he doesn't think he thinks that if you grilled brats on a charcoal grill and on a gas grill, this is very controversial, Tariq, but let's say you did that on, you know, one of each style, and then you serve them to someone, he thinks that you would, that person would not be able to tell the difference. Oh, I will. Honestly, that's just that smoke. Yeah. Because I actually, I use lump charcoal, and I actually use some hickory wood chips wood and chips, stuff. Yeah, and so does um, so does Paul Zirkel. Yeah, and I kind of smoked, I actually put my sausages in some, when I'd done it, I actually kind of smoked them, not really grilled them. Let it smoke. Let it infuse the smoke flavor. And I don't know if gas grills can even do that, right? I don't know. Um, I think that there are some gas grills that you can smoke meat on. I do. Yeah. Just seems like you're cheating. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like a smoker box that you add to it, but you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's just. I think charcoal is for people who have skills, right? <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be really neutral about this because I think they both. You don't like taking sides. No, I'm not going to take sides. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> you, you, on the you, other hand, can be the person to do that. The other part of the the, the feature story in Milwaukee Magazine is uh, where to get the the food for your grill. Yeah. Talk about uh, what? How'd you cover that? Well, you know, I mean, some people are just going to head over to Metro Market probably. But um, if you want some really great steak or ground meat, pork, ribs, things like that, I really recommend going to Bunzel's on 90th and Burleigh. Um, There's also Kettle Range Meats. That's over on 55th and State. I mentioned them. A lot of their um, meat comes from like heritage breed, like their pork comes from heritage breed uh, hogs. I know they, they carry grass-fed, dry-aged beef. So they're very, like, they've got, like, a an, an area of expertise. 
um, Bavette, which is a little restaurant slash um, butcher shop in the third ward. I really love, um, uh, you know, they also have um, meat that you can buy to, to cook at home. Um, and if you're looking, you know, for places to get fresh fish, um, I will tell you that I've gotten really good fresh fish at Whole Foods. Um, but I, I also really like Empire Fish, which is out on Watertown Plank Road in Wauwatosa. Um, and there's St. Paul Fish Market as well. So those are some of the places I mentioned. Cool. And finally, you talk about a grill that I would love to own, but I think I need to take a loan out or or give my right arm to, to get it. Yeah. It is the green egg. And for those who are not familiar, what is the green egg? Yeah, the big green egg. Well, it is a, um, it looks like it's a shape, it's shaped like an egg. It's green. It's, um, it's, it's heavily insulated and it's on the exterior, it's ceramic. So that's one of the things that make it makes it such an incredible thing to cook with because um, of the intense amount of heat that it can that it can hold. It can um, it actually has the ability to do a lot of different things. So what people like about it is you can get it really, really hot, like 700 degrees and you can do a pizza like in, you know, six minutes. Um, Then there are people that are like, well, they love it because they can get the, get it really, really low and slow and smoke some, um, uh, brisket on there, you know, for all day or something, you know what I mean? Mm. It just is so good at doing a lot of different things. Um, plus it, um, it doesn't use it, it. It does use charcoal, but it doesn't use a lot of it. So it's, it's, um, it's really easy to, um, to use. And, um, and there isn't a lot of upkeep. It doesn't need to be cleaned a lot. So, um, I mean, the one thing going against it, I guess, is the price because it's it's going to cost you. But um, I think that, I mean, unless you're going to use it a lot, I don't know. It's probably not the best investment. But for someone who loves to cook and wants to do a lot of different things and they're going to use it often, um, it could make sense. Well, Anne, you know my birthday is just I, around the corner. I so. do, I do, right. So just just put it out there. Okay. You know, I love to cook, so I know you do. No, you got connections. I know you got connections to hook me up. Hook you up with an egg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next is there, there's a new restaurant at Crossroad Collective that just opened this week. Um, it's called Mina. And uh, Mina is a uh, kind of a Euro-inspired small plates restaurant inside the Crossroads Collective. Um, Mina attempts is, is aiming to bring Northern Italian aperitivo tradition to that uh, micro mini food hall. Um, interesting story about this: Mina is a restaurant started by a couple, uh, Ryan Hoffman and Patrice Dentiel. One of them, Ryan was a sous chef at Balzac Wine Bar, and Ryan sought a creative outlet and turned to cooking with his wife during this um, pandemic. And then the couple began offering creative European-inspired fare for pickup out of their home. And uh, apparently the response was overwhelming. So I guess this led to actually having an official physical spot in the Crossroad Collective. So basically... Mina serves up flavors like uh, restaurant dishes like a variety of top toast, chickpea fritters with pesto, 
Steamed clams with chorizo and cider. You can get shaved fennel salad with orange and parsley, melon and burrata, lamb ragu and polenta, and a lot of other dishes. And it's uh, you can enjoy it on uh, Crossroad Collective's uh, newly reopened dining room and expansive patio. And there also will be curbside. Carry will be also available. So uh, that is open now. It took over the stall formerly known as the Raw Bar at Crossroad Collective. Yeah, interesting. Next is an, another reopening. Uh, you wrote about Bartolotta. What's the details on that? I hear Bartolotta is doing some really intensive things to take care of the customers during uh, uh, the pandemic. Right. Well, um, you know that Bartolotta restaurants closed all of its restaurants within mm-hmm. weeks of the safer at home order, if not right away. Um, I think they were going to do, I'm, I'm not even sure if they did much curbside um, at that time. But anyway, they closed, you know, they've got like 17 properties that includes catering them. So, um, so it's been a while, it's been over three months and um, they just announced the return of the first Bartolotta restaurant. And that is Ristorante Bartolotta uh, out in Wauwatosa. Um, which is their Italian restaurant. It's the very first restaurant that they opened back in 1993. They're reopening on July 8th. And uh, one of the things that, well, before I get into safety measures, they built um, La Terraza, which is an outdoor courtyard, socially distanced, so that they're all, you know, tables are very um, well spaced out from, from one another. So, um, so that works, that, that's one of the things that, um, that they're, that they're doing to kind of push the socially distanced dining angle, but the, but the restaurant inside is open as well. Um, only, you know, a certain number of tables, they are requiring face masks, both for staff and restaurant patrons. Um, reservations are going to be required, uh, and they're going to be held for 15 minutes. So, uh, so you have, you know, so you, you definitely want to show up for those reservations. Um, and, uh, upon entry to the restaurant, they will take your temperature, um, and for payment and also to view menus, they're going to have, uh, touchless, touchless screens for this, um, to allow you to, to, to make your dining choices and then to pay for them inside. They have custom made safety partitions that are between the tables and booths. And they also have something, I don't even know what this is. It's UVC technology that actively seeks and destroys microorganisms in the air and on hard surfaces. Um, hmm. So they invested in that and they're going to be um, meticulously and deliberately, this is their wording from their press release, meticulously and, and deliberately cleaning tables within every new reservation. So Basically, every time someone leaves, they're going to really be cleaning, um, cleaning that that uh, table setting down. Wow, that's a that's a I know that's intense. I know. All right. Um, next, another reopening. The Devil Mat also closed about the same time Bartolotta's co- um, shut down after the stay-at-home order. They're back. Yeah. Uh, and they're bringing back their famous burger for just curbside. They're not doing dining; they're just doing curbside. Um, and they'll be back Wednesday through Saturdays. We're offering items that are just good for carryout, so it's not like their full menu. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you get their uh, world famous burger, the Diplomac, 
uh, was just basically a classic burger. Nothing fancy, no fancy sauces, just tomato, lettuce, cheese, and kind of the Big Mac sauce kind of thing. Um, you also get like types of salads, other sandwiches. There's even a roasted uh, beet sandwich, which is like a looks like a very vegan dish right there. Oh, they're also doing pot pies. They have a beef chicken, um, smoked chicken with toasted sourdough. Um, so I'm glad to see the diplomat back. I was kind of me too worried about. Them. Gosh, I missed that so place. Yeah, so they're back Wednesday through Saturdays. If you missed that burger, which I definitely do, it's a very good burger. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, they're back. And then uh, finally, let's talk about masks. Um, so masks, there's a, as you know, you've seen the news about Florida, Texas, and Arizona reopen way, way earlier. And, you know, whatever you want to think, whatever, why they reopened, decided they didn't need to do all the steps to reopen properly. They decided they didn't need to. And now those states are having, including California, which did do it kind of properly, may, a large amount of cases, positive cases, the hospitalizations, and like some of their ICU beds in some of those states are almost full. Um, and to and and I guess that affected people in Milwaukee, business in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. So a uh, variety of Milwaukee businesses uh, have an open letter to the mayor calling for a city-mandated mask requirement. And I saw some... Uh, photos of saying we don't want to be like Florida or Texas mm-hmm. out there from Milwaukee. Don't let the quote is don't let us become Florida or Texas. And then they ask Mayor Barrett and Council President Johnson, we ask you to please issue a mandatory mass rule for Milwaukee now. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of restaurants are asking the mayor since we are like as officially we are at phase four of our opening, which we talked about last week. And I know a lot of people are like, dude. Are we moving too fast? Because the, there's been positive cases been increasing in Milwaukee. Right. And in Wisconsin, not like the scale of Florida and Texas, but it brings people concern. Um, and are we moving too fast? You know? Um, and it's scary, right? Because it's not like I think a lot of the cases down south are youth. And youth, you know, they're invincible. Mm-hmm. We all thought that at our age, when, at that young age, that nothing can bother us. We're... We're immune to this stuff. We will cover quickly. And the fact that it's not really about you, right? This disease is not literally about you. It's about other people who might be vulnerable that are have to be out there. Mm-hmm. And that you're spreading the disease to potentially somebody that might get sick and die. Exactly, right? yeah. And then there's even young people who are in the ICU, even with no underlying conditions. So like a lot of people are not taking it seriously for whatever reason, they feel like it doesn't affect me. I haven't been sick yet. Therefore, this is a hoax or whatever because you don't know anybody that's affected. I do. Yeah. Right. I know. I know people that have been in ICU. I know I have certain conditions that I'm scared of is going to affect me. Um, and you know, a mask is could be inconvenient, but dude, so so was so was bad shoes. <laughs> right. It's right. kind of like yeah. Like you got to wear pants. You don't complain about my freedom. Like I want to go pantless you you do that so i don't know why people are making the mass such a political thing it's yeah, not a big thing i don't know either and i've heard people say well well why can't you just post a sign that people have to wear them well it isn't that simple it's, you can't enforce something like that unless you have 
um, something like this, some kind of, um, I guess, mandate. Otherwise, you can't make someone do it. You know, you can say, oh, we, we ask that you do. But, you know, unless you have like a city mandate, I guess you, you can't really enforce it. And um, and that's that's the problem right there. The mayor hasn't responded yet to this. And I mean, I still don't know about this phase four thing, which is like 75 percent capacity. Yeah. Um, and what's happening down south is like, dude, that's not good. And Europe has basically said you're not <laughs> no America's coming over to Europe. Um, I don't think this country is really taking it seriously. I don't know why. Um, they just feel like it's just the sniffles and it's just like the flu. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why this thing became political. Someone's health is political. Like I don't need, like I hear it. I see some people and businesses, I don't care about masks and, and it's, yeah, it's like, and how it, how it equates to freedom. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like there's a lot of things we do. We have to obey the traffic laws, right? We have to do stop signs. Why do we have like, I'm free to do what I want. Why do I have to stop at a red light? I should go through it. Cause I'm an American. That's like the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, but yeah. So there's this open letter, tons of Milwaukee restaurants and businesses are asking the mayor to mandate mass. If they're going to do this phase four thing and just try to push people into situations because people need jobs and they're going to risk their lives for a job. And I mean, there's so many layers of just complexity and just, I don't know. I just feel like people sometimes don't necessarily care about others. Sometimes just, it's just, it's just health, right? It's just looking out for your fellow citizen. That's what it means to me, but Hey, I guess it's an opinion, right? (laughs) Anyway, well, that wraps up this week's edition of this bites. Milwaukee's culinary podcast. This Bites is edited by Kimmy Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from Society Insurance and your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org slash This Bites. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, NPR, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, feedback is important, so please rate and review. As always, and stay hungry. And keep the Malort cold. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th of July. You too.